0: really discovering truth in a way that can make a difference in our lives. I trust there will still be more coming. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer, and uh, Brother Dwayne, would you lead us please?
1: Again, Father, we bow our hearts in your presence. Mm -hmm. We have no other source of truth. We have no other source of wisdom. Uh, certainly those of us up on this platform don't have wisdom apart from you Uh, you've been good to us God and we thank you for that we thank you for this gathering of your people to seek your presence seek an empowering of grace direction yieldedness And Lord we ask you to to build the sound of your voice in our hearts Mm -hmm. to raise your voice to penetrate to the depths of our soul to effect a permanent work and pray that this panel discussion would not be entertainment nor in any way distract from the spirit of this meeting but God, that it would be a real time of sharing that honors You, builds Your kingdom. We give the total direction of it into Your hands. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.
0: Thank you for that last statement, brother, in the prayer. We give the total direction of this into God's hands. Can, you know, a panel discussion can be somewhat unpredictable. Uh, but what we're interested in really is the discovery of truth. and. Uh, So I'm gonna read the questions. I think I'm gonna read all that we have here. We have quite a number, and we have slightly more than half an hour. We're not gonna cover them all, but I at least want to recognize all the questions, and then we'll try to group a few of them together, some of the like ones, and uh, we'll work down through them. Um, I would like to encourage these brothers I think I'm going to present some of the questions to all three of you. And if you can think of a scripture to turn to uh, quickly to back up what you're saying, so much the better. If you can quote it, wonderful. Uh, Because we're interested not only in the opinions of men, we're really interested in hearing hearing what God says about these things. So I'm going to read the questions, and I'll probably then (coughs) present them to you in this order. First question. What is the number one secret to really living a spirit-filled life? <clears throat> and then we have um, a couple that are similar here. Number, the, the, it's the first one, how do we know the voice of the spirit? How can we recognize an outpouring of the spirit? What are we looking for? How can we avoid attributing to the leading of the spirit what is really just our own doing? similar ones and here's another one that's a little similar in manifestation of the Holy Spirit how do we discern the counterfeit from the real <clears throat> how much emotions should be in worship according to the Holy Spirit worship in spirit and in truth a similar one or here's a contrasting one why have we seen such a lack of revival zeal obedience within American churches as well as in plain churches what can we do on a personal level? I believe... Wait a minute. When we talk of God moving in or coming down during revival, are we being like the Calvinists? Isn't it that the Spirit moves and convicts, and then people choose? About spiritual warfare, what importance does verbal, out loud prayer play or rebuke. rebuke. Is there a difference? Does the kingdom of God, angels of light, (coughs) respond differently than the kingdom of Satan or evil spirits? I'm assuming it's in relation to this verbal or nonverbal prayer. Finally, I believe in no compromise Christian living. Notwithstanding, how do you know (coughs) where to draw lines with fellowship, number one, two, local body, three, conference, or even working with or for an organization or other denominations. How about a couple of glasses of water, if that were possible, please. Thank you. Alright, the first question that we have here, Brother Dale, I'll address you and then Brother Lloyd and Dwayne. Maybe not one liner answers, but we'll have to be a little brief maybe. <clears throat> what is the number one secret to really living a spirit filled life, Dale? In your mind?
2: It requires knowing Christ and wanting to be like him and knowing that by the Spirit of God you can be
0: desire to be like Christ with the faith that it is possible Well, the Lord do you have anything to add or
3: knowing Christ is number one I believe but uh, Knowing him in the way of surrender, complete mm-hmm. surrender. I
1: was thinking of Galatians two twenty, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet now I have a Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, we heard today that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. See? And if it's his life in me, I mean Yeah. It. Uh, I mean, if you have the Spirit of Christ, you have life. If you don't, you don't.
0: See. Is there any reason that a person who is abiding in Christ, filled with the Spirit, needs to sin? Is there any reason why he would have to sin? Now that's a question that wasn't on here, but... <laughs>
2: You know very well you don't have to study your Bible for a long time. That question, because you know what First John chapter three says. I know what it says. <laughs> so well, you could just read it there. Okay. Uh, that that takes care of that question, I think.
0: All right, we'll read it. Question is, and it was this was a side question. Pardon me. We can't ask too many of these. Is there any reason why a spirit-told Christian who is abiding in Christ has to sin? Well, First John three nine. Is that what you're thinking of?
2: We could take verse six with it.
0: Verse six with it. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Whoever is born of God, verse 9, doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, we quickly try to define those verses, but I think I'm going to let them stand. I'll just read them and let them stand. How about that? Okay. Uh, maybe i better open it up, though, if somebody has something to add to that question before we go to the next one. Well, let me add just some, one more thing to... Well, Go ahead, brother. It's fine
1: that you let them stand, but the relationship in Christ seems to me is both punctual and linear. There a, there's a moment when you entered into that relationship, but there's also a maintenance and if we do not take care of the maintenance we can slip back into a Romans 7 instead of a Romans 8 where indeed we do sin even though the Spirit of Christ in us is calling out against it but because we have neglected our death with Christ and our fullness of the Spirit we still live in the flesh and we end up doing something the flesh wants Yes. you have to know according to 1 John 3 but possible yes that's why you have First John 2. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Alright. In answer to this question, we were in our prayer group considering John 14 and the relationship of an obedient love to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll just uh, bring one verse that Brother Chris stolskus reminds us of. He read verse 15 and 16 in John 14. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. Next verse, and I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. I would say another big factor, as you said, Brother Lloyd, I think, the surrendered life, an obedient lifestyle is essential to a spiritual life. Okay. Uh, Question number two, how can we recognize an outpouring of the Spirit? What are we looking for How can we avoid attributing to the leading of the Spirit what is really just our own doing? And then another question that would be similar, how do we know the voice of the Spirit? I think these are common questions that deserve probably more of an answer than we can give here. But what do you brethren say to the question, how can we recognize an outpouring of the Holy Spirit Let's think about a general outpouring first. What are we looking for when, when the Spirit has come to a people? And then, how might the work of men or a man produce a response that looks like the Holy Spirit? How can we avoid attributing to the leading of the Spirit what is really just our own doing? possible for a man to pump up something. We give the Holy Spirit the credit, but it's just really the work of the flesh. How can we recognize an outpouring of the Spirit?
2: Well, the brother quoted this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. The brother was directing the the, the singing. And he said that this be filled with the Spirit in in Ephesians 5.18 is followed by some characteristics of a Spirit filled life and this uh, speaking together in hymn of hymns and the giving of thanks and the singing of ourselves one to another, these are things that follow uh, in the work of the Holy Spirit. And then I think of what Jesus said in John 15 about that abiding in Christ. He made it very clear there that the obvious evidence of, of uh, <coughs> abiding in Him, which is spiritfulness, is uh, this unconditional love that flows between us. And I know he was not an Anabaptist. He should have been, but probably wasn't. And that was John Wesley. He said that all of your seeking after God, all of your seeking after His fullness, all of your seeking, if you're seeking anything else besides love, you are aiming amiss. Those are the words he said. You're aiming amiss. You're going in the wrong direction. You're following a jet with a lantern. You're not looking, not looking at a North Star. So those were, I think those were holy words. On the, on the first part of your question, there, an evidence that the truth of God is at work.
0: Let's continue that question, that first part of the question. What's the evidence of the outpouring of the Spirit?
3: I, I believe Jesus gave the answer in, in Matthew, the seventh chapter, where he says in the fifteenth verse, the, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are a ravening wolf. You shall know them by their fruits. And and Jesus gave that a very clear answer. I mean, that that it's a fruit. He didn't say how well they can speak or how many gifts they had, but by their fruit. And I I think that one of the things that really really mixes up people is all these gifts that people claim to have. have, And you know, a lot of lot of noise and a lot of you know whatever confuses people.
0: Are you saying? There can be the giftings over here, supposedly, mm-hmm. things that are happening in services or whatnot, but the life out here is not, not showing the fruit. So, what's wrong there? What's actually, what is actually reality there?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Things aren't matching up. No, they're not. And what, where should the weight be on the life?
3: It should be on the life. Jesus said, "On the life,
0: brother."
1: And a lot of people are concerned about. This talk of the Holy Spirit, especially amongst Anabaptist groups, but uh, we never need to be afraid of being like Jesus. That's the real work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John sixteen, He shall verify me; He shall receive of mine, shall show it unto you. I really think one of the big dividing lines is is that charisma uh, show produces just that. Um, Paul pride of station, machinery, uh, glitter, glamour, emotions, whereas the work of the Holy Spirit breaks people down, shows them their sinfulness, brings them low, humbles them, uh, and as a final fruit produces a Christ-like life. Uh, if you're not seeing Christ-likeness coming out of it, it's, it's not the work of the Holy Spirit.
0: Okay, uh, let me recap there a little bit. <laughs> Brother Dale, you, you referred to Ephesians 5 where the command is be filled with the Spirit and then the, what follows after that is, are these things. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, you've got people who worship Him. They make melody in their hearts to the Lord. They give thanks. This is a, a person who is filled with the Spirit a, is full of praise and thanks to his God. But then one that we often maybe don't attribute as much to the spiritual life is submission. Mm-hmm. There's three, there's submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because if I'm yielded up to God, that means my will has been given up to Him. And so if it's been given up to Him, I'm in the mode of, of being able to give up to human authority, which is actually what God has set up in the first place. Okay, I like that. And then, Brother, Lord, you referred to Matthew 15:7, that we shall know them seven, by the fruit. 715. Seven, uh, 715. Which is the verse, knowing them by the fruit. So the, the life is the proof. Mm. The totality of the life. I mean, a man can do anything for an hour or so behind the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But the life. And then Brother uh, Duane referred to Christ's likeness. As, as the life that should be lived as proof of the Spirit. And I thought of Galatians 5 also. Proof of the spiritual life or proof of the work of the Spirit. How can we recognize an outpouring of the Spirit? Here's one right here too. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. I think that pretty much answers that question. Now let's go to the related question. How do we know the voice of the Spirit, brothers? I mean, I think this person is probably asking, he's probably facing a decision, he or she's facing a decision, is seeking the will of God, trying to hear from God. How, how do they know it's God and not their own mind? talking to him.
2: Jesus three times first in John 14 and also John 15 and also John 16 when he referred to the product <coughs> he called him three times the spirit of truth so what that spirit is going to do is going to he's going to use the truth of God's word the same Bible tells us to be filled what the spirit also tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so we certainly cannot divorce those two the spirit of God will use that word of God then I think we have something else I think sometimes we get too much subjectivism in here maybe a little bit too much individuality and we ought to be as we were hearing in this last message and throughout this weekend we ought to be more corporate about it and God has a church God has a bride God has a brotherhood and we just read about that in Ephesians 5 and I believe that that this corporate body <coughs> is the temple of the Lord. God dwells among His people. God dwells here. His Spirit is here. This this, this is the city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. And we can trust the Lord to be speaking through our brothers. And I believe it, it's a test of our faith. It's a test of our submission to allow brotherhood to speak at, at moments of decision. But I believe it's a holy exercise in our Christian piety to allow our brothers to speak into our lives.
0: Thank you very much for that, brother. That
3: was well said, <clears throat> Brother Lloyd. Do you have anything to add? In Acts uh, ten and eleven, there's a count where where Peter uh, had a had a vision. It was against what the common uh, accepted whatever that they thought God was telling them to do as far as circumcision. In Peter had a vision in in the 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 speed, the things came down the four-legged beasts and the snip vipers and whatever and Jesus said rise and eat and he said not so Lord because I haven't ever touched anything unclean uh, this is kind of a dramatic happening here and we don't see a lot of this today uh, you know taking place but we do believe there are some things that that are a little bit like you know God gives us a direction from the scripture that kind of leaves it where we have to make a decision from it El, and sometimes to the corporate body, you know, through our, our experience and, and things that took place, we can we can help each other. Like Brother Dale said, you know, the, the church is there to help make the decision on things that we're not really clear on. So Peter said, hey, I had a vision, il, il, and God showed me this, il, il, while I was just getting awake, the men were standing at my door. Il, il, and so when he got done, il, il, uh, and they said, why did you go into these uncertain, uncertain Circumcision people, you know, and he said, and he told them this, and he said they kept their peace because they, they saw it and were convinced it was God Himself, and I think that's what we need is a, a sensitivity to God's uh, uh, God's Spirit, and that we're obedient to God. It, uh, if brother, no, I don't use brother Dale, but if, if another minister came to me and wasn't living uh, truly surrendered to God and told me something like that, I, I'd have my questions. But Dale, I would not no problem with.
0: Okay, Brother Blaine, do you have something to add to that question? Um, how do I know the voice of the Spirit?
1: I, I would just like to say uh, I, I agree with the brethren that the Word of God is first and the corporate body is right there with it then in council. I, I believe there's an additional thing we can do. We can bring these things before God in prayer and ask Him to give us a confirmation of peace or raise a check in our heart. Uh, about what we're sensing or hearing and uh, maybe I don't have a ready verse for this one uh, there are examples in the Bible but maybe where it's a real sensitive issue and we're still uncertain there are times I believe when there's a place to ask God for confirmation in some way some miraculous confirmation hey, God I'm willing to do this but You'll have to show me. I'm not sure.
0: I would say, I'll bring in a personal example right now uh, that happened fairly recently. It involved this brother right here. I think being used by the Spirit of God, uh, there was a situation I was trying to, we were trying to, as a brotherhood, come to a decision on, and it involved sending a family to the mission field or not. And this brother came, and uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, spoke some words to our con- our congregation that applied directly to that situation, and people came afterward and said, uh, "I can't argue with God by what this man said today." And so I think uh, there are there are times of could you almost say special revelation that happen maybe through visions, a special anointed word that comes from God, pertinent to a situation. Uh, maybe uh, I mean now these are questions we wrestle with, and it could be that somebody in the audience has something else that we're missing here. I know this is a discussion on how to discern the will of God, and I know these these are sometimes hard. Yes, Brother Josh. I had that exact same question to I would not be that because
2: I would not I because. When someone says, I know the Spirit told me something, what is it that makes you so sure that it's the Spirit? Right? I understand that the Bible's not going to tell you that the worst of the moment is okay because a lot of the spirits are dead. The Spirit's been going to I know that for me myself, even several times, like I've had a strong fear that driven me, driven me, driven me. So, you know, I've done things, and then later on, and the Bible is not going to do it. And then through prayer, it makes more sense in the sense of it. But what is it that leads you certain, you a certain feeling, you know, verification, and, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure who asked that, but I've had like, that exact question before.
0: And never really had it. So I'll give deference to age here. Wisdom.
1: I'll do the same.
0: <laughs> it's narrowing down here. Yeah, I'll be glad to same. <laughs> I'll,
3: I'll volunteer, answer. I, I don't think we should be so sure of ourselves in a prideful way. We should be humble before God... And say, God, what do you say I should do? And then don't go say, God revealed this to me, and hmm, you know, And that attitude. But keep a humble attitude and just say, I feel by seeking after God that this is what He wants me to do, and I'll do that unless He shows me something different. And I, I think I think that that God will respect that, you know, uh, according to the spirit of the, uh, of of what we see in the Bible took place. Peter ran ahead several times and, and made big brags and stuff and, and got himself in some trouble. I think we need to keep ourselves humble.
1: I will say this, I don't want to run us off on a rabbit trail, so to speak, but you know I'm not so sure yet, maybe someone can straighten me out on this today, but I'm not sure whether it was God's will for Paul to go to Jerusalem or not. I still haven't got it's that still one decided. About that too. But well, one thing I notice is that God still used Paul. He still loved him and he still used him because for whatever reason he went. He still loved God and he wanted to serve him. And maybe the core of the question is, am I serving God to the best I know? And if we stay humble like this brother said, if we made a mistake, I think God will turn us in time. If we were surrendered when we did
2: One thing I noticed is that Peter did not go around telling people that the Spirit of the Lord revealed to him that he should go to Caneus' house, and so he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And here I go, and uh, I bought my ticket, and I'm headed out. That was not the way he did it, but nor was it very well accepted what he did. But, But thank the Lord that we have this beautiful example that they came back together in chapter 11, he had six brothers with him, and they discussed it together. And he gave the testimony as he experienced it himself, and also what happened in Cornelius's house. And said he really was not able to refuse water on that occasion. And, medication. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, my wife and I were part of the Eastern Pennsylvania Methodist Church. And that, that is known to be just a fairly, you know, they, it's a fairly correct way of doing things there. And I was probably as unconventional as you could be and still be a member of that kind of, that type of a body of people. And I got myself in a lot of trouble with those people. I probably didn't do wisely. But we had a bishop there. And uh, he had trouble with my antics and my uh, maverick tendencies. But we always sat down and talked about it and prayed about it. And I never lost his support on anything that I ever did. Anywhere that I ever did it. He always backed it up. He always appreciated it. He always was in favor of it. He was an outstanding man. An outstanding brother in Christ. And uh, I think instead of running around saying we have this special calling and and responsibility and ministry that God has called us to, if we feel led to, to participate in something God has led us to do it, I think that should never keep us from sharing with our brothers why we're into that and what we feel God is asking us to do and how we're going about it and keeping that open and uh, that brother was a tremendous blessing in my life. I uh, and I think that you know we have some more unconventional people sitting around here <laughs> and and uh, I, I believe that. If we don't see it right now, if we just give a little patience, the confirmation will come that this was of God. Yes. The confirmation will come that the life was in order. Yes. The confirmation will come that it was not a, just a personal pursuit of uh, some kind of fantasy. It was something that God did want done.
0: May I add a little something to this expression of wisdom here, I think? Um, the Scriptures teach us in 1 Corinthians 12... Nine, that one of the gifts of the Spirit is faith to another faith by the same Spirit. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that there are men with the gift of faith who live maybe in, a, in, in with people who may not have the same gift of faith, and they want to rise above the status quo. Mm-hmm. And so they're called into visionary things, into pursuits that their faith calls them and leads them to, and the people around them may not be able to get it because they don't have the same gift of faith for whatever reason. And um, so they may question the will of God here. Well, this man is on a higher plane of faith. He's an Abraham leaving Ur when everybody tells him he's crazy. But if he didn't have the faith and he'd listen to everybody else, nothing, I mean, if everybody was like that, nothing new would ever get done. But eventually, like you said, Brother Dale, I think there reaches in sort of an equilibrium. What am I trying to say? There reaches, there reaches a balance where people sort of accept, and, and the thing is vindicated and validated and authenticated with time. Uh, but I think even a man of faith has been given that if he's if it's from the Spirit, will have the the fruit of the Spirit of love, patience, meekness in the calling that he has. Amen. Josh, that. Make things any more clear? Thank you. Thank you. I think what I'm hearing, maybe there is a special revelation at times, and maybe we're uncomfortable with that. So I'll let that, I think we'll leave that question with that and go on to another one. Why have we seen such a lack of revival? zeal, obedience within American churches as well as in plain churches? And what can we do on a personal level? That's a pretty broad question.
2: Well, first of all, I think we should give credit to God for what He has done beautiful moments of his presence among us as God's people that we have that we have received and it's been a blessing to us. We should thank God for that. I'm sure none of us have seen what all God can do. I guess I would give my answer and you ask for a Bible answer So my Bible answer is easy to give. Study the prayer life of Jesus. And the investment he put into that, he being the Son of God and he being perfect. Look at the communion he had with his Father. Look at the longing prayers. Look at the tears that flowed from his face Mm -hmm. as he prayed. And if he could ever have taught his disciples to have done that, if we could teach our congregations to do that. Not just Ken Miller in his study by himself, but the brethren in the congregation on their knees and on their faces together. Uh, I read in that CLP church directory about congregations that have over 200 members. And if they have 200 members, they must have over 100 men. And I wonder what it would be like if there would be 100 men on a floor someplace and their faces crying out to God together. I wonder if anyone has ever seen that. And I believe Jesus would teach us to pray it.
3: Thank you.
0: Anything to add, Brother Lloyd?
3: That's a very difficult question. Uh, and I think what Dale said is is uh, large, uh, largely... What we need is to start uh, with with prayer. And uh, Paul wrote in First Corinthians 11 that when he spoke about communion, he, he he spoke about how that a man should examine himself. And I think it comes back to base one. And they, they we say we say that you know America's in bad shape. And let others say, well, it's the church's fault. And then they come for well, say It's my fault. And I think it was one of the prophets. I'm not sure which one it was now, and I wish I could say maybe well you could help. Us, uh, but he said we have sinned. He didn't say they sinned. He said we have sinned. Il, and I think that's where where revival begins is that each person starts with himself. And we do what we can. Uh, and the larger seal I think is that we try to through the ministry. Get the people together with a, a deeper <coughs> seeking after God, praying and teaching that. Amen. Where your
1: treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, my larger answer, God helping, I'll share this evening, but uh, the American church, Mennonites and Anabaptists in general included has become very efficient, very self-sufficient, has a lot of money, has a lot of machinery, and loves to have it, so I'll
0: have to repent of that. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid we'll have to stop with this. This question was, Why is there such a lack of revival, zeal, obedience within American churches as well as in plain churches? What can we do on a personal level? To recap there a bit, Dale suggested study the prayer life of Jesus. What would happen if we would pray? And Brother Lloyd backed that up. Um, The prayer of repentance. And I was reminded what Brother Merle said this, this, this morning about the fact that a common denominator in every revival throughout history has been, has been preceded with much prayer. So what can I do on a personal level? And then Brother Dwayne's Duane, concern was that there should be repentance in the area of self-sufficiency, perhaps materialism. Um, so what can we do on a personal level? I, if it's prayer and if it's repentance, then let it begin one life at a time as we go back, and then let it begin by maybe a few of us gathering brothers together, praying. What could be wrong with that? And what might happen if we would seriously take steps to bring maybe not a hundred men, but maybe ten men could fall on their faces before? What would happen if ten men in in all of our churches would fall on their faces before God for an hour each week
2: Amen. I know one thing that encourages prayer is when we get out of our... You people up in the States use this term, comfort zone. I learned that from you up here. If you step out of that, whatever that means to you, and you go got where the needs of people are, and the needy people are, and the desperate people are, and the lonely and the lost, and the... what... One brother is called the dregs of humanity, if that's a proper expression, where people are really needy. And if you get yourself involved there, you will very, very soon sense your utter helplessness. You will very soon sense your utter weakness to do a thing. You will very soon sense your utter dependence. If you ever get out there and start to that, and then when you get into that, that will bring us together down. Bring us together down. And we're hearing
1: here again and again of what God has been doing in other countries. And I hear a number of these people that are going to other countries. And it is easier out there. okay? Because people are more desperate in their need. They're not maybe as gospel-hardened. And they're certainly not as dependent on their wealth and pleasure. But I am sure that God wants to do the same thing in cities and in the country of America that He's doing out there. The job is larger, so the falling down will have to be greater. But it's not extra hard for God. It's just extra hard for us.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen, brother.